0: Due to the graphic nature of this murder case, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes dramatizations and discussions of murder and assault that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13.
1: All right, boys. Whoever brings me back the biggest sand crab gets an extra scoop of ice cream. Now, don't get too close to the water. It's rough out there. And your father would bury me alive if I only brought back one of you. (laughs) Say what is that, boys? Can you tell? Yeah, it looks like a store mannequin. What what the heck? Oh no. Boys. Boys get back. Oh god. Boys, I mean it this minute. Stay clear, of this you hear? This is not a mannequin.
0: January twelfth, nineteen sixty-five. In the sand dunes of Wanda Beach, near Sydney, Australia, Peter Smith was enjoying a day with his young nephews.
2: Until he stumbled on what he first thought was a department store
0: mannequin. But when he knelt down to wipe some sand off the surface, he realized he was touching a human head. This was no mannequin, but the body of a teenage girl. Peter was so shocked by his disturbing discovery that he immediately left to alert authorities.
2: But little did he know there was another body buried beneath the sand, a second girl, the same age as the first.
0: This is Unsolved Murders, True Crime Stories. I'm your host, Carter Roy.
2: And I'm your host, Wendy McKenzie. This is our first episode on the Wanda Beach murders.
0: If you like the show, we'd immensely appreciate if you could leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast directory. And don't forget to subscribe while you're there, because a new episode comes out every Tuesday.
2: You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast, and on Twitter at Parcast Network.
3: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness.
0: In 1965, the beachside towns of Australia were known as idyllic travel spots, as well as wholesome residential areas,
2: full of playful innocence and picturesque neighborhoods, where leisure and the simple things in life, like a trip to the beach or a train ride to a nearby town, were commonly valued.
0: Danger was rarely a concern. Children played unsupervised. Parents didn't need to worry about abduction, let alone murder.
2: Life in the suburbs of Australia was safe, secure, and one might even dare to say, perfect.
0: But the violent murder of two teenage girls on a blustery day in January changed all that.
2: The killer ended the young lives of two teenage girls, Marianne Schmidt and Christine Sherrick, an act which shocked a seaside community and ultimately all of Australia.
0: Their story became known as the Wanda Beach Murders one of Australia's most infamous unsolved murders of the 1960s.
2: And while this story revolves around Marianne and Christine, many other people were affected. Parents, grandparents, siblings, detectives, and a slew of suspects either played a role in this mystery or felt the consequences of it.
0: But the story begins and ends with victims, Marianne and Christine. So we must first learn a little more about them.
2: Mary Ann Schmidt was not born and raised in Australia. In fact, she was of German descent, born to Helmut and Elizabeth Schmidt on October 30th, 1948, in Berlin.
0: The second eldest of seven children, Mary Ann, with the help of her older brother, Helmut Jr., often looked after the other children.
2: In 1958, when she was 10 years old, Mary Ann and her family emigrated to Melbourne, Australia.
0: But once they arrived in Australia, the family kept moving around. A lot. In fact, they spent the first four years in their new home country traveling from hostel to hostel. That must have been tough. Yeah. Stability was not something Marianne was familiar with as a child. But in 1963, her father Helmut planted roots in West Ryde. A suburb of Sydney, West Ryde lies about nine miles north of the central business district.
2: The choice to settle here may have been related to Helmut's recent diagnosis with Hodgkin's disease.
0: This is a type of cancer that affects the lymphatic system of the body, which is part of the immune system.
2: There are many effective treatments now, but it was tougher to beat back in the 1960s.
0: Helmut may have believed he didn't have much strength to keep moving the family from place to place.
2: Or maybe he just wanted to make sure that they had a stable home in the event that he would not be able to take care of the
0: family much longer. He may have sensed he wouldn't last long because just a year after settling the family in West Ride, Helmut died in 1964.
2: Without Helmut, life was hard for his widow Elizabeth and the children.
0: Elizabeth struggled to feed and clothe their seven children. They were all barely surviving on meager welfare payments.
2: But there was a local family she could turn to in her time of need, the Tags her nearby neighbors, and grandparents to a girl Mary Ann's age, named Christine.
0: Christine Sherrick was born October 5th, 1949, in Sydney, to Beryl Mayer. Christine's father passed away four years after she was born.
2: Her mother, Beryl, remarried and moved to another suburb of Sydney. But Christine chose to live with her grandparents, Jim and Jeanette Taig, in West Ride.
0: The reason for this is unclear, but the fact remains it was through her grandparents that Christine met Marianne. Both girls were 15
2: years old. Both had short, wavy brown hair. Both were about the same height.
0: Even their smiles were similar. They could have easily been sisters. Marianne's mother, Elizabeth,
2: once said they could have been twins. And she even noted that when the two met, something just clicked.
0: A bit shy and soft-spoken on their own. The two girls were much more outgoing and adventurous when together. In fact, on
2: New Year's Day in 1965, they took a train to Cronella Beach. They fell in love with the spot.
0: They eventually ventured up north to the Wanda Beach sand hills, and they became even more enchanted. Something about the dunes was alluring. Wild, even.
2: But, sadly, they would only return to the dunes one more time in their lives.
0: Sometime after the new year, Marianne's mother, Elizabeth, was admitted to the hospital for an operation. It's not known what the operation was for, but Elizabeth spent a few days in the hospital recovering, so it must have been something fairly serious.
2: As expected, Marianne and her older brother, Helmut Jr., had to hold down the fort at home and take care of their five younger siblings.
0: But there was still room for a little fun. On January 9th, while Elizabeth was still in the hospital recovering, Marianne and Christine paid her a visit, with one goal in mind, a trip to Cronulla Beach.
6: Hello, loves. What are you doing here? Hi, Mom. How are you feeling? Very tired, sore, but I'll be okay. How are the children? They're good. Wolfgang misses you the most. He cries at night. Are you reading him stories before bed? Yes, but he says I'm not as good at the voices as you.
4: (laughs) He is sweet.
6: And the others? We're all keeping busy. And you're finishing all your homework? Of course. It's true, Mrs. Schmidt. I come over after school and Marianne and Helmut make sure the kids do all their work.
4: That's good to hear.
6: So, Mother, Christine and I were wondering something. Yes? We'd like to take the kids for an outing. To Cronulla Beach. Tomorrow.
4: The beach? You'll have to take a train. That's right. All the children? That's a lot for you to handle.
6: Helmut and Hans said they'll stay home and clean. Christine and I will take care of the little ones. I don't know. I can't be there to help you. You don't need to. You have to rest. We'll be fine. Well, I
4: guess it's okay, but you have to promise me, you both.
6: Yes, Mrs. Schmidt?
4: You'll watch over them very carefully, no running off without them.
6: Of course, Mother, I promise.
2: So permission was granted with that caveat. The plan was to go to the beach the following day, and the two girls would keep a close eye on the young ones.
0: But the weather turned out to be surprisingly bad. So Mary and Christine postponed their plans until the next day, January 11th.
2: That morning, Christine told her grandmother, Jeanette, the news.
6: <clears throat> I'm so excited to walk the Sandhills again. Last time, Mary and I didn't want to leave.
2: When are you going to the
4: Sandhills?
6: Today. I told you, didn't I?
4: You did not. You and Mary
6: Yes, and the kids.
4: Wait a moment with all those children.
0: Christine did not get the response she was hoping for or expecting. Her grandmother pleaded with her not to go. It
2: was a far walk from Crunella Beach to the dunes, and she'd have all the children to worry
0: about. She and Christine argued about it for some time until her grandmother conceded.
6: Thanks, Nana. So
2: Christine packed her bag for the day. She put in a towel, her small purse, sunglasses, a thermos of fruit juice, and a radio, so she and Marianne could listen to their favorite tunes on the beach.
0: Around 8.30 in the morning, Christine, Marianne, and Marianne's four younger siblings, ranging in age from 5 to 10, headed to the train station.
2: That was the last time the two girls would ever be home again.
0: On January 11, 1965, teen friends Christine Sherrock and Marianne Schmidt took the train with four of Marianne's younger siblings to spend the day at Cronulla Beach.
2: Sometime later, the train arrived at Redfern, not too far from West Ride. Here, the group prepared to board another train. Marianne's nine-year-old sister Trixie watched Marianne and Christine speak with a teenage boy who looked about 15 years old
0: but they were too far away for Trixie to make anything out. The boy eventually went on his way, and the group boarded a new train headed for Cornella Beach.
2: They arrived there around 11 in the morning, and to their surprise and disappointment, the beach was closed due to high winds and rough waters.
0: But having made the journey by train, the kids were not about to just turn back and go home. They were determined to get to their destination and make the best of it.
2: The group found an area near some rocks where they could be somewhat protected from the winds.
0: But that wasn't what seven-year-old Wolfgang had in mind. He wanted to swim. Marianne thought the current was much too rough for that. But like little brothers often do, he nagged her until she gave in.
2: Marianne took Wolfgang into a shallow area where he splashed around a bit.
6: Hey! You're getting me all wet!
0: After this, the
2: kids all had a picnic enjoying the sandwiches Marianne had packed.
0: At one point, Wolfgang caught sight of a boy who looked like he was hunting crabs with a knife.
2: Christine and Marianne began talking with the boy, but none of the other children could hear what was said, and they didn't get a good look at him.
0: Now, sometime after this, Christine left the group. None of the children could say where she wandered off to or why. They just didn't know.
2: What they did know was that she wasn't gone long.
0: After Christine returned at around 1 p.m., Marianne told everyone they should take a walk to Wanda Beach.
2: The kids left all their belongings hidden behind some rocks and started north.
0: Wanda Beach is a little over a mile from Cronulla Beach, about a 20-minute walk.
2: But factor in the high winds, and that could make the walk take longer or just feel miserable.
0: Sometime into the walk, the children began to complain.
6: They were tired. We're almost there.
0: And thirsty.
6: We'll get a soda pop later.
0: And cold.
6: Quit whining.
0: But the children didn't let up.
6: All right, look, we left everything at the rocks. Do you want to stay here while Christine and I go back for the stuff?
0: The children agreed they'd stay there.
6: Okay, you all rest then. We'll be back soon.
0: The girls started off, but something was wrong. They were going the wrong way.
2: Mary Ann's 10-year-old brother Peter yelled after them when they continued walking north, away from their belongings.
0: But the girls ignored him.
2: They laughed as they disappeared into the sandhills, leaving the kids unattended.
0: But it wasn't long before... Peter told seven year old Wolfgang to go after them.
2: He wanted Wolfgang to figure out where they went while he would stay with Trixie and Norbert.
0: As the story goes, Wolfgang followed his brother's orders. He went into the sand hills and saw the teenage boy from before, the one who was hunting crabs with a knife.
2: What's more, Marianne and Christine were with him. The three were conversing
0: but Wolfgang couldn't hear what they were saying.
2: He did, however, watch them go even deeper into the sandhills and out of sight.
0: But Wolfgang stayed where he was. There didn't seem to be any use following after them. They didn't appear eager to come back, so what could he really do?
2: So at this point, Wolfgang waited at the edge of the sandhills. And back near the shore, Peter, Trixie, and Norbert waited for Wolfgang to return with Christine and their sister Marianne.
0: Eventually, someone did emerge from the sand hills.
2: The teenage boy, the crab hunter.
0: But he was alone. Marianne and Christine were nowhere in sight.
2: It can't be confirmed if this next part actually happened, since Wolfgang's story to authorities changed. But he claimed that he spoke with the teenager.
0: Wolfgang asked, where are the girls? He asked again.
2: But the boy didn't answer.
0: That was the last Wolfgang saw of him. And he was the only one of all the children to see the boy up close, which meant Wolfgang was the only one who could give a description.
2: After the murder, the Sydney Morning Herald launched a news story with the headline, Boy Saw Youth Walk Into Sandhills With schoolgirls."
0: That was one piece of a very strange puzzle.
2: Wolfgang later gave a description of the mysterious boy. Fair to light brown hair, medium build, wearing gray pants and carrying a blue towel and a knife.
0: A knife he was presumably using to hunt crabs.
2: But what else could he have used that knife for?
0: When interviewed, Wolfgang later admitted that the boy seemed angry when he came from the sand hills.
2: It's tough to know if this was true also, Or just Wolfgang trying to craft a story for the investigators, which he thought might help the case.
0: Wolfgang was only seven years old and would have most likely been susceptible to suggestion.
2: And the pressure to provide information.
0: When Christine and Marianne didn't return, the other children left on their own.
2: That's right. They boarded a train and headed home.
0: What's strange is that when the kids returned home to their two older brothers, Helmut Jr. and Hans, no one called the police right away.
2: This is strange. Did Helmut think his sister and Christine just wandered off and then would return on their own?
0: It's unclear. And there was no mother or father at the house to worry and alert authorities.
2: So, who called the cops?
0: Christine's grandmother. The one who was so adamant that Christine not go to Cronulla Beach without an adult.
2: When she reported Christine and Marianne missing, the police weren't too concerned right away.
1: Well, ma'am, this has been known to happen. Teenagers do stay out past their
4: curfew. But you don't understand. Christine and Marianne, they've never done this before.
1: There's a first time for everything.
4: I understand that, but... Do you need to get that? Yes, one moment. Officer Christine told me she'd be back in time for dinner. She doesn't lie. And she and Mary Ann were responsible for all those children. They promised Mrs. Schmidt they'd keep a close eye on them. Why would they just abandon the children? Well, let me ask you this. Has your
1: granddaughter or Mary Ann ever traipsed around with anyone who might be a bit uh, questionable?
4: Questionable? Well, no... But you see, officer, they only spend time with each other. They're best friends, more like Siamese twins joined at the hip. Well, listen,
1: I'll take down the report and I'll let you know if we hear of anything. Give us another ring if the girls aren't home by morning.
0: They weren't.
2: And it wouldn't take too long before authorities would connect the dots between the missing girls and what occurred later that next day.
0: That was the day Peter Smith discovered Marianne's body while strolling along the beach with his nephews.
2: He gathered the boys and hurried to the nearby Wanda Beach Clubhouse, where he called the police.
0: He originally thought that maybe Marianne had drowned and washed up on shore.
2: The police reported to the site.
0: They saw three feet protruding from the sand. Three.
2: That could only mean that there was another victim.
0: Christine Sherrock On Tuesday, January 12, 1965, Peter Smith and the police discovered the bodies of Marianne Schmidt and Christine Sherrick buried in the sand dunes of Wanda Beach.
2: When the bodies were examined, authorities found that Marianne's throat had been slit severely, almost to the point of decapitation.
0: She had also been stabbed 14 times, with one wound going through her heart.
2: Christine, on the other hand, had a fractured skull and was stabbed at least six times.
0: But there was something else authorities noticed about the crime scene. There was a drag mark, that's right, a drag mark that was nearly 37 yards long leading to the grave site and they found traces of blood in the sand.
2: This most likely meant that one of the girls tried to escape by running away, but she was eventually caught, killed, and then dragged back to be buried with the other.
0: Time of death was determined as sometime between 2 p.m. and midnight on January 11th.
2: When investigators combed the dunes searching for evidence, they eventually found a crude blade that had tiny traces of blood on it.
0: But unfortunately not enough for any kind of testing.
2: It is believed that the killer most likely took the murder weapon with him.
0: The bodies of Christine and Marianne were taken by authorities and examined by Dr. Lang the director of forensic medicine at the city morgue
2: dr lang found evidence of semen on both of the victims but a close examination proved that the girls had not been penetrated their hymens were still intact
0: okay so the girls were not raped before or after their murder
2: correct dr lang then examined their stomach contents it's interesting detective what is well ms schmidt's stomach contains the remnants
1: of a sandwich but in Christine's, I found celery and cabbage. And there was alcohol in her bloodstream.
5: So the girls were drinking?
1: No, officer. Not girls, just Ms. Sherrick. There were no traces in Ms. Schmidt's stomach. Now at first I thought the evidence of alcohol could have just been the cabbage fermenting, but that's not possible. There was not enough time for that.
5: The other children said they had sandwiches for lunch.
1: Which explains the food in Ms. Schmidt's stomach.
5: I wonder where Ms. Sherrick procured the celery and
0: cabbage from.
1: There are a lot of restaurants near the beach. She could have easily picked up a snack at one of those, yes.
0: So at the time of her death, Christine had different foods in her stomach than Marianne, as well as alcohol. Well, Christine did wander off at one point in the day. Could she have gotten some alcohol during that time?
2: Sure. Or someone got it for her. Maybe her killer. Could Christine have gone to meet her and Marianne's killer when she left the group?
0: That leads me to a question. Did the girls know their killer?
2: It's interesting that you bring that up, because a little over a week before their deaths, the girls both wrote in their journals on New Year's Day, explaining that they met some boys at the beach, and they had discussed meeting up again
0: soon. Once authorities found these diary entries on January 16th, the police commissioner made an appeal to the public, asking for these two boys to come forward. They eventually did. They were brought in and questioned.
2: The boys provided alibis that checked out.
0: But I still can't help but wonder, was one of these boys the mysterious teenager hunting crabs? Let's talk
2: more about this teenager. Wolfgang provided a description of him to authorities.
5: right through here hello Wolfgang I'm the man who wants to find out who hurt your sister can you tell me a little bit about the boy you saw at the beach he was hunting crabs wasn't he are you upset Wolfgang a little nervous (laughs) would it help if we brought your big
0: brother in here
2: do you want me to get helmet Helmet joined Wolfgang for the questioning.
0: Eventually, Wolfgang gave a description, but there's debate about how accurate it really was and if the events described actually happened.
2: As the interview went on, Wolfgang seemed to change his story, maybe in an attempt to provide as much information as he could to help his sister, maybe because he honestly couldn't remember what happened exactly.
0: Did Wolfgang actually talk to the boy? Or did Wolfgang embellish this part in the hopes of being helpful?
2: Soon after, authorities
0: released a sketch
2: and a description based on the interview with Wolfgang.
6: Police have released a description of the suspect leaving the sand hills, as well as a sketch based on an eyewitness account.
0: Part of the description read, 16-year-old Surfy with long blonde hair.
2: Unfortunately, this pretty much described every teenage boy in the area. This was a beach town.
0: The description was far too generic.
2: Which meant the police would have to sift through a plethora of reports.
0: And then the reward was announced, an amount that equaled about $20,000 at the time.
2: Which would equal about $250,000 today. The phones rang off the hook.
0: One of these calls was from Dennis Dostein. On
2: January 11th, the day of the murder, Dustin was walking along the beach in the afternoon with his five-year-old son when he noticed Marianne and Christine walking in the dunes.
0: He told authorities that one of them kept looking behind her as if she were being followed.
2: Aside from the murderer, Dennis Dustin was the last person to see Christine and Marianne alive.
0: But that was really all the information he could give. It didn't help much.
2: A few witnesses came forward and each gave a description of a man on the beach that day who was going up to women and asking for sex.
0: Could this man have been the killer? We know the girls weren't raped, but the crime was sexual in nature, since semen was found on both bodies.
2: Then there was the report of a naked man seen walking out of the sandhills.
0: But this wasn't completely strange for this beach. The sand hills were a very private area, and people were known to sunbathe in the nude there.
2: But that's not all. The dunes were a destination for many unsavory types.
0: And the area was so isolated from everything.
2: You can imagine why someone with bad intentions would choose an area like this.
0: Marianne's brother Hans, who stayed home the day Marianne and Christine disappeared, went to the dunes after his sister's death.
2: He remembers it being so quiet up there that he couldn't even hear the waves from the ocean.
0: Which means it's likely no one heard the girls screaming or fighting for their lives.
2: And the killer probably knew that. He took advantage of the abandoned and isolated spot.
0: Other reports came in. One discussed a suspect who became known as the man in the iron mask.
2: This, of course, is a reference to a character in the Alexandre Dumas novel by the same name.
0: But the man in the iron mask at Wanda Beach? This was a John Doe who was covering his face with a sheet of corrugated iron. Why? We don't know for sure. People have speculated he was shielding his face from the blowing sand, or maybe the sun, or maybe he was using it to hide behind as he spied on some young female sunbathers.
2: Well, whatever the reason, the media had fun with this suspect.
0: In fact, the media stirred up a lot of hoopla surrounding the so-called suspects that actually weren't serious suspects at all.
2: They'd get a tip, or they'd hear bits and pieces from the investigation, and they'd make a mountain out of a molehill,
0: right? Exactly. And sadly, that's what this case seemed to have. Molehills. Nothing at the start to really run with, and definitely no mountains of helpful information
2: leads became dead ends. Suspects were quickly eliminated.
0: While all this was happening, the families of Marianne and Christine were busy mourning the loss of these two teenage girls. Two separate funeral services were held on January 20th, nine days after the girls were murdered.
2: Marianne was cremated, but Christine was buried next to her father
0: after the release of the description and the sketch investigators decided to get a psychological profile done on the suspect
2: that too was released to the public
0: it was believed that the killer lived close to the crime scene and was extremely familiar with the geography of the sand hills as well as how isolated the area was
2: the killer was probably a loner who spent a lot of his time spying on sunbathers and hoping to catch couples having sex.
0: So most likely a peeping Tom. Right. The report also suggested that killing Marianne and Christine was most likely to fulfill dark impulses the murderer couldn't escape.
2: Seeing the girls probably triggered those urges.
0: But was this killer a random voyeur or someone the girls planned to meet up with?
2: Following the murder, some investigators went undercover as sunbathers.
0: They performed a stakeout on the beach to see if the murderer returned to strike again or visit the scene of his crime.
2: This also didn't lead anywhere.
0: But between all the public statements from the police department, the sketch, the description, and the psychological profile, the reports were endless.
2: And detectives, about 40 of them assigned to the case, had to sift through all this.
0: Eventually, the team of investigators decreased to under 10.
2: The case began to cool.
0: Then something happened, which thrust investigators onto a new lead.
2: On January 29, 1966, about a year after the Wanda Beach murders, a woman by the name of Wilhelmina Kruger was found brutally murdered.
0: She was 57 at the time of her death and had been working at the Piccadilly Arcade in Wollongong, Australia.
2: This coastal town is about an hour's drive away from Wanda Beach.
0: She had been mopping the floors at the top of an escalator when she was struck hard in the head.
2: Detectives found a horrific sight when they reported to the scene. A bloody trail down the escalator and two flights of stairs.
0: She was at the bottom of a staircase in a carport.
2: Who is she?
5: Wilhelmina Kruger. She's been working here for over two years. Doing what? She was a cleaning lady. A graveyard shift. We think she was attacked around 4 a.m.
1: Uh, start of a shift?
5: No, she clocked in at 2 a.m. The killer attacked at the top of the escalator, then dragged her down two flights of stairs. God-awful. And the wounds? Stabbings. Multiple. Her face. Abdomen. And she was... Yes? She was also strangled. Uh, This
1: woman has been mutilated beyond recognition.
5: It was a ruthless killing. And I can't help but think... What? It reminds me of another.
0: Detectives on the case began comparing it to the Wanda Beach murders and believed there was indeed a connection.
2: The killing was similar. Multiple vicious stab wounds. The dragging of the body.
0: Was it also sexual in nature?
2: I don't believe so. But the investigator in charge held a press conference stating that he felt the murder was linked to the Wanda Beach murders due to the similarities.
0: This detective would not be the only person convinced of the connection.
2: Detective Sess Johnson, who began working on the Wanda Beach murders case, would have a meeting in 1975 that would illuminate the investigation in a new way.
0: He sat down with a man named Alan Bassett, a convict who gave him a painting that Johnson believed was the key to unlocking three separate murder cases, including the Wanda Beach murders and the death of Wilhelmina Krueger.
2: Was it an insane theory, or would it prove to have some merit?
0: In addition to Bassett, investigators would also scrutinize another convict.
2: Derek Percy, who killed an 11-year-old girl in 1969.
0: Percy chose his victim from another Australian beach and pled insanity to avoid a harsher sentence.
2: And at age 17, when he was living near Wanda Beach at the time of the murders, Percy resembled the sketch of the killer.
0: But then again, so did several other surfy types.
2: Could he have started killing girls before 1969, beginning with Marianne Schmidt and Christine Sherrick in 1965?
0: And there was a third suspect, a man who became known as the Beauty Queen Killer.
2: Deranged serial rapist turned serial killer, Christopher Wilder, often lured young women by posing as a photographer named David Pierce.
5: Have either of you ever thought about modeling? You've got the faces for it. And if you don't mind me saying, the bodies too.
6: What do you know about modeling?
5: Well, I'm a photographer. One of my many talents.
6: You are? Well, where's your camera?
5: In my car. Could I take your picture?
0: Wilder began a killing spree in 1984, but was active as a criminal long before that.
2: Starting at 17, when he and a group of his friends gang-raped a local girl.
0: His crimes escalated from that point on.
2: Perhaps the Wanda Beach murders were just the tip of the iceberg for the true killer.
0: A horrific starting point for a life dedicated to taking lives.
2: Maybe the Wanda Beach murders were just one part of a much larger story.
0: A story that is more like a latticework, connecting homicides, sexually deviant suspects, a string of convicts, and the investigators who sought to solve one or more of Australia's darkest cases.
2: One thing's for sure. The Wanda Beach murders let the world know that times were changing.
0: Some were threatening the supposed security of the area. Idyllic existence was a thing of the past.
2: The murders of Marianne and Christine also taught us that sand rarely hides a body for long.
0: When the wind blows, it takes the sand with it. Don't forget to subscribe to Unsolved Murders on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, please leave a five star review or tell us what you think on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram as at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. It seems simple, but it really helps our show. A new episode comes out every Tuesday, and next Tuesday, we'll continue our investigation into the Wanda Beach murders.
2: Thank you so much for listening.
0: We'll see you next time.
2: If we live till next time.
0: Unsolved Murders True Crime Stories was created by Max Cutler and developed by Ron Cutler. It is a production of Cutler Media and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Kenny Hobbs with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler, additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Unsolved Murders is written by Jessica Mallo and stars Carter Roy and Wendy McKenzie. The amazing cast of voice actors includes, by alphabetical order, Mike Capozzi, Jerry Courtney Osteen, Kina McEnroe, Sarah Miller-Cruz, and Steve Pinto.